So the question is this, how do entrepreneurs like us who don't have an endless supply of cash, how do we leverage the best apps, virtual assistants, automation tools and systems to scale our businesses, increase our profits and have more time to do what we love to do each day? That is the question and this podcast will give you the answer. My name is Dr. Steve Day and this is Systemize Your Success. Hello and welcome to Systemize Your Success. I'm Dr. Steve Day, your host for today. Now, I want to start with a story. And this is back when I was a, a undergraduate in computing, when I studied computing in Manchester. And I got a job as a placement with a really good IT firm. And one of my roles towards the end of, one of my responsibilities towards the end of my role there was to repl- get my replacement from the next cohort of people coming in. And I was tasked with basically going through all the CVs that were sent in, the applications and the CVs for the job to, to replace me as I was leaving and going into uh, back to university. And I remember walking in that day and there was literally a stack. I can't remember exactly how many, maybe like 50 or even 60 um, CVs on application forms that were stacked on my desk. And my task was to basically go through and pick the 10 people that we were going to actually interview. And I remember just thinking, like, what am I doing for a start? Like, what qualifications do I have to do this? And, like, how am I going to select from this completely random selection of information who is a good fit? And it was literally just, like, cherry-picking out. I was just looking through. There was no way to compare one with the other. It was, like, apples and oranges. Like, CVs are not written in a standardized format. And so trying to compare one with the other is just it's impossible. And people make stuff up. People put stuff on there. They show their absolute best they possibly can be. Like their references may or may not be true. They may have stuff on there. They sort of like maybe exaggerated a bit or, you know, you know what it's like. If you ever apply for a job, you're always going to say what you think the employer wants you to say. I mean, in this day and age, you could even get AI to write the whole thing for you. would be absolutely perfect. Or get a copywriter. When I was in medical school, we used to get copywriters to write our applications when we we're going for jobs because that was how you got the interview. I mean, these are all the tricks that people play to try to get into the the next round of your application process, whatever that is for your recruitment. And that that um, that that example, that 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 um, experience, I should say, sorry, that experience really taught me how like fate, how what the fault is in typical recruitment. And the reason I want to cover this today is because this is the way that most small business owners are still recruiting today. There is a much, much better way of doing it, something that I have systemized the hell out of as I do with everything that I use in my business on a recurring basis. It's a technique that I've I've personally used to hire over 160 or 70 virtual assistants for myself and my clients. And my clients have used it to hire hundreds and hundreds more with remarkable success. And I want to walk you through that today. And I'm going to actually go continue next time with um, the second stage in this. Today, we're going to be talking about how to actually get that job posting out there and what to do to ensure you get the best chance of getting the best applicants. Okay, so today is all about recruitment. And if you've been following this podcast for a while, this is a subject I've covered a couple of times. Right at the beginning, in the early days, probably in the back episode around 10 or 12, I think from, from memory, I actually went through this recruitment process in quite a lot of detail. And some things are the same. Actually, a lot of it is the same, but there are some things that I've improved on. I'm going to cover those as I go through this today. And as I said, in a subsequent episode next week, I don't like normally splitting up subjects. I like to cover everything in one, but today we're going to be talking about 
how to get the job out there. And the next time we're going to be talking about how to deal with the applicants coming in. So it's a, a nice divider for the two. And in, yeah, in those previous episodes, I have gone through this, but even if you listened to those before, I would listen in because I'm probably going to cover some some new stuff and the new ideas and the things I've developed over the past well, a couple of years since I since I did those episodes over 18 months ago. All right, so this is all based on my recruitment system. It used to be called Recruit Right, but I'm now rebranding it to Recruit on Value, and that's because recruiting on values is what this is all about. It's about getting people that share your values that you believe are actually going to be a good fit for your organization. And we need a method to make sure that when you are um, getting applicants in, that they are the right kind of people that you want to work with, not just because of skills, but because of actually attitude and because of what they believe in and the way they're going to actually fit into your team and actually be a good, productive member of the community within your business. Because just having someone who's brilliant doesn't actually mean that they're going to actually be a great fit. And actually going back to my example earlier of me doing the application process when I worked at, at Sun Microsystems at IT company, we actually had an absolutely incredible candidate. Like on paper, they were just the best you could imagine. And we just like couldn't fault it, except there was no personality on it. It was just about their academic achievements and about their work placements and about their, you know, all these things that you think, yeah, tick, 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 tick in the box. But these people that I was hiring my replacement for, or the people I was working with, they had to work with this person day in, day out. And they actually asked me not to, to put that person forward, even though they ticked all the boxes. So recruitment is subjective. It needs to be, but it needs to be subjective in a way that's reproducible. And if you base your subjectivity around something like values, which can be quite concrete or should be quite concrete, then even that part of it can be systemized. And that's what how to discover or discover to discuss uh, over this episode and the subsequent episode as well. So this process is a five-stage process. And we start off with the attract stage. Then we're going to eliminate, then we're going to test, then we're going to select, and then we're going to hire. And today I'm really talk about just the attract stage. This is where we're going to create a, a or craft a job posting and a process that allows you to attract the absolute best candidates to let people self-select if they are not a good fit for your organization as early as possible so they don't waste, waste time, but also to try to get as many people as possible that are potentially a good fit to apply. And when you've got a systemized approach to dealing with applicants, the more the merrier. Because if you're not having to sift through like I did back then and go like CV by CV and trying to remember what was on like 10 CVs ago and compare this and whatever, if you're not doing that, if you're doing this in a reproducible, objective way that you can delegate to someone else in your organization, an assistant or someone that works with you already, or you may have to do this yourself if, if it's the first person you're hiring. But if you're, if you're able to do that very quickly, and I say objectively, then actually you can sift through hundreds, if not thousands of applications in the same amount of time it would take someone to go through a handful of CVs and you'll get better, more consistent and more, more reproducible results no matter who is doing it. So that's the objective and that's what we're going to try and explain over the next one. Well, I'm not going to try, I'm going to explain how to do that over this episode and the subsequent one. So one of the, uh, the most important parts is to really understand how this whole systemization process that I've been talking through, our 6R process fits into this. 
And if you've been listening along for the past few episodes, if not, I encourage you to go back and listen in when I started going through this XR process. We talked about something called the personal systemization plan and about really being very clear about what you and your key members of staff are doing right now. And this is super crucial when you're going to hire somebody new. Because what a lot of people do, and I've done in the past as well, and I've seen many of my clients do this, is they come up with an idea of what they want somebody to be doing. And then they go straight out to markets, try and find someone to fit that role. But they sometimes forget to look internally and actually to look at your existing team and see what skill sets are actually in that team that are underutilized or are people in roles which would actually be a better fit for this new role you're going to create that you already know, like, and trust because they work with you, you, you know, you've got a relationship with them, and they may be actually a better person to take on these new responsibilities and then actually delegate what they currently do down to this new person, and then that the existing employee can manage that person, making your life a hell of a lot easier because you're managing someone doing new work that's quite time-consuming, quite challenging if you're a manager or a solopreneur or you know, or if you're a, 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 the business owner who's doing that management. And so we want to make that as easy as possible. So if you, get, if you stay managing your existing person and your existing person manages the new person, that means you've only got the same amount of work, but you're going to get twice the work done. That's a key, key thought to think about, a key, thing, key uh, trick to think about when you're trying to fill a new role. So Going back to the personal systemization plan, this is where you basically get you and your key staff to write down everything you do each day and to quantify how long it's taking you over a typical week or a month or whatever. And then you can actually say, okay, well, if I offload X, Y, and Z tasks, then I'm going to save this amount of time. And this feeds into when you're hiring, because when you've got a long list of tasks that need to be or could be delegated to this new person, and you know how long those take on a given a day or week or month or whatever, you can start to actually get a feel for, you know, do you need someone part-time? Do you need someone full-time? And if you don't quite have enough uh, activities or tasks for them to do within the, the the tasks that you've got on your personal systemization plan, you can then make a judgment about, you know, is it actually right for me to hire someone full-time straight on? Because if you're, if you're just getting started with hiring, a big mistake you can make is to over-promise. So without anything you get do in life, like always try to under-promise and over-deliver. People won't work. So if you're going out to somewhere like the Philippines that I hire from or from the UK or USA or wherever you might be based, then when you offer someone a job and you say, I'm going to give you 40 hours a week, but then they're on a, if they're on a contract basis or you know, on an hourly rate and you end up giving them 30 or 20 or 10 hours, then they can often get a little bit annoyed because they've provisioned that time to work for you and then you don't give them what you say you will. And so that relationship can go off to a really bad start. And I've Hold my hands up. I've done this myself, you know, quite a few times in the early days. And with inevitably, that didn't end well. Those people end up leaving because I wasn't really holding up my part of the bargain. I didn't, you know, it wasn't my fault. I just didn't have work for them. And I overestimated how much work because I hadn't done this little bit of prep work and thought, the thought planning before I just dived in and hired somebody because I was so eager to get someone to help. So knowing how much time you're going to actually need this person for at a minimum is a good place to start and you can always go up from there. And worst case scenario, you have to hire a second person if these per- that person's not available. But much better to do it that way than to overpromise and under-deliver, like I said. And the other brilliant thing here is, I touched on this before, but when you're getting people to think about, okay, well, what tasks do I currently do right now that I could possibly delegate off? 
what this allows people to do is to think, you know, what do I really want to do? Where are my passions at lie in this business? Where do I want to focus my energy to make the biggest impact and give you, the business owner, the biggest amount of value for the money you're paying me? It gives me opportunity to do that by freeing up time, doing stuff which I may be not so fond of and therefore probably drag my heels with, or I don't feel I'm very, you know, it's not in my zone of genius. And so therefore it's taking me longer than it may take somebody else. And I'm probably not going to do as good a job as somebody else either. So it's a great opportunity for you to get more bang from your book, from your existing staff and elevate them to a position which in effect creates a manager out of them which gives them more uh, more rewarding work. They get they're more motivated. They're getting promotion and basically gets that person to stay in. Now, if you've already got a big business and you're hiring people uh, already and you've got layers of management, then you may be used to these sorts of techniques. But think about this when you're actually trying to uh, reduce your wage bill by hiring in virtual assistants to take over some of the work of your existing team to be able to then save having to keep on expanding locally. You can actually utilize the low cost of living in other countries. And this is a really, really savvy way to do it. So where you've now decided like, what is it you're going to be giving somebody? Actually, one of the points I'm going to cover on this is something we, we, we share with our clients called the know it, want it, hate it uh, um, activity. And this is something we do with people when they come into the business. And we do it when we're going to do hiring as well and periodically throughout people's journey or life, their, their, uh, their employee life journey or employee journey, sorry. And so what this is, is a really simple exercise. And we're trying to identify what areas of work are people really passionate about? Where do they want to go? What are they doing right now that they may, they may not want to do? All those things I just described. And we just create a spreadsheet. And on the left-hand side of the spreadsheet, we literally write down everything we can think of that happens in the company. Not like individual tasks, but like, you know, graphic design or, um, you, know, you know, running Facebook ads or writing copy or creating automations or doing back-end website stuff or whatever it is. Like, think of everything you do, sales calls, invoicing, financing, spreadsheets, whatever you can think of, whatever you do in your business, whether it's dealing with clients or dealing with back-end software or doing admins, general admin stuff, like create a list and then give it to each of your staff and get them to rate rate, rate each of the activities or the areas with do they know it, as in are they experienced in it, and that's worth knowing for you. Do they want it or do they actually hate it? Do they want it, do they love it or they hate it? And it gives you just an idea of you know, where are people actually sat in the best role for them or could we actually use this opportunity of bringing somebody in to make someone's role more enjoyable for them. So hopefully they're going to stick around for the long, long term or longer and also uh, be more valuable to us because they're doing work at a high level because they're doing stuff they love. So those are all the tips about how we know or think about what we're actually going to create a role for. Because actually the role that we need, as I said before, the role that we need, the work we need doing might not be actually the person we end up hiring if we move an internal person into the role that we need, but then create this, this void of we don't now have anybody to do that existing work that was done by our team, which we've now reshuffled. So now we can actually look at what that is and create a role out of that. And that is what we typically do. We bring people in. It means also because you're bringing people in at a lower level, 
Hopefully those tasks have all been systemized and documented. Uh, if you follow along with this podcast for, for, for a while, hopefully you're, you're getting onto that. If you do need help, you can always reach out and, and that's what we do for, for work. But the idea is to, to um, systemize what you're doing. So therefore, when you do elevate people up, that other people can come in at a much lower entry point or much lower level of skill or because they don't need to bring knowledge and expertise with them because it's locked into your systems and it's the systems that train the people. So you're lowering the bar to entry, making it much easier to hire people because you're not requiring a, you know, a very high base level of expertise. That keeps the cost down as well. So you can have entry level people to come in and your existing staff, you can promote them up. Obviously, they may have a pay rise, but it's probably going to be uh, less than if you had to hire somebody directly in. And more importantly, as I said before, you're giving your existing team who you know, like and trust a great opportunity to progress in their career and to have a role that's more rewarding for them. So that's one of the reasons we do it. So once you've now decided, OK, this is the the, the role that I'm going to hire. We now need to attract the most number of the best possible candidates into this role so we can actually start um, um, going through them and eliminating anyone anyone that's not a good fit and putting anyone that is a good fit to our next round. And I'm going to talk about those next rounds as in the elimination round, the testing rounds, and the uh, selection rounds in the next episode. But for now, we're going to talk about the job posting. So the job posting is important. If you go onto any job posting site and you just type in most typical one, a lot of our clients hire is around like virtual assistants and their typical roles like admin assistants or uh, social media assistants or marketing assistants. Those sorts of roles are very common. And it doesn't matter what you're hiring for, a property manager, or if you're a, you want an account manager or a client success manager. Like if you go onto job posting sites, whether it's onlinejobs.ph that we use for our Filipino assistants or Indeed or Upwork or whatever, and you have a look at the types of roles or types of jobs, sorry, that people post, most of them are really boring. And what you've got to realize is that people, like when you're going through Facebook and you're just basically flicking up on the Facebook feed or TikTok or net or whatever it is you're going through, then um, you, you, you need to be that post that grabs your attention. So think of your job posting as a sales funnel. And if you, if you know anything about sales, you'll know what I'm talking about, but I'm going to walk you through it just in case you don't. And so the analogy is that when you're doing sales, you need to basically stop people in their tracks, grab their attention for enough time for them to read the headline of your advert. And the headline is is the same is the uh, the analogy of the headline is the title of your job post. It's what people are going to see when they're just scrolling through all the jobs that are available on the site. Make that stand out. And for example, we're literally just in the process of hiring somebody at the moment, and. This is for a, a systems, uh, a systems assistant. So it's what we call a systems implementer in my terminology, which is someone who's going to come in, help us with documentation, process mapping, building systems, building automation, app maintenance, that kind of role. And it's a whole role we hire quite frequently for ourselves and our clients because it's the key role, I believe, that, that any business needs in order to get systemized without the business owner being totally overwhelmed by the process. You need to hire somebody and train them up to be your systems implementer. So that's the role we're hiring for. But I'm not hiring somebody who is a systems implementer. 
I'm hiring somebody who wants to be something like a systems implementer. They won't know what a systems implementer is. It's a it's a phrase or terminology that I've made up. But so I'm not going to put that in the advert, but I'm going to or the, or the job post. But I'm going to talk about the type of role, and I'll, I'll go through this in a second. But the most important thing is this headline. And so, the headline that we we uh, we got this morning, which is a, and I'm going to tell you exactly what it is. So please don't go and use it right now if you're listening to this live, because we're just about to post on this. But uh, a system savvy assistant needed in a UK needed in a UK systems guru and podcaster business. Now, I was, I don't like the word guru. My assistants who are in the Philippines said that actually the thing that that was quite a attractive title. So that's what we're going to go for. So it's a system savvy assistant. So it's a little bit more than just saying admin assistant or, you know, a technical assistant or whatever. And it's a UK. So where you're from, if you're from the USA, Australia, UK, you know, people from countries like the Philippines enjoy working for um, companies in those countries. So make a thing of it, put it in your title. I know that works because I've tested it, split tested it. And also that's what exactly my 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 own staff told me to do. And that's how I hired them as well. And then just something like, you know, for me, systems guru and podcaster, because if they're interested in podcasts and they also fit the, fit the bill and they pass the test, then that may be something that pulls them in because I am a podcaster. As you know, I'm on a podcast now. And we do a lot of automation, a lot of um, uh, systemization around the podcast production and promotion and so there's, there's lots of opportunities there if that's what this person ends up being attracted to and so in the future there may be a good fit as i say when we hire somebody else in they may be able to roll move into role around that some more so that's why i'm putting it in because i think it might be interesting and so that title that that job post title the only reason for that being there is not to tell them about the role it's not to educate them it's not to do anything more than to get them to click that is the show-stopping title or those things they do on the videos and they put the hands in front or something, you know, when you're going through a feed to try to try catch your attention and they, they stop your attention. And that is all, all it's meant to be doing. The next thing they're going to see once they click that is your first paragraph. And for me, this is the most important paragraph. Like with an advert, the most important thing that you write on your web page is what comes above the fold, i.e. on the first page of the website and it comes from the terminology of um when you have uh, papers or whatever and they, the way they folded them anything in that top half i think it does anyway uh, anything in that top half that is what you want to be uh, utilizing as your prime uh, retail prime real estate for your advert and in this case this is your job advert and so that there needs to be something that's going to grab their attention and we've split tested quite a few different things over the years. And the one that we seem to consistently get good people through is when in that initial paragraph, we talk about what's in it for them. So we don't kick off and talk about the role. We don't kick off and talk about what we need. We don't say that we're looking for this or that. We start off by telling them what they're going to get by working for us. Something like when you start to work for us, you're going to feel appreciated and valued from day one. You're going to be welcomed into a group of, of friendly and helpful staff who are, who are a dedicated team that love helping each other out to make sure that we get the work done to a high standard, but enjoy ourselves as we do it. That is the type of thing that people go, wow, never seen that before. And I know this because people have told me they're applied through our ads. You know, I've never seen that before. That's what made me apply for this job. So that first paragraph, having something 
eye-catching like that, something different, something that breaks the mold, is exactly the same as any advert you're scrolling through on Facebook or Twitter or whatever it is, TikTok or whatever, Instagram. And and so the purpose of that, again, has is only one purpose, to get them to read on. That first paragraph needs to motivate them to read the rest of the ad. And you've got to be savvy with how you're displaying this ad as well. If you have reams of text, big blocks of you know text of have dense, heavy, too much information, they're going to lose interest. They're going to get bored of reading it or just skim read it anyway. So think about the formatting and the layout in the same way you would a web page or an advert. Make it easy for them to see the, the, the key pieces of information, whether that's bolded or caps or whatever you can get away with on the adverts. Often there's not a lot of room for being creative, but so you have to be therefore a bit more creative with how you get to capture attention and using characters and things just to pull the eyes to certain key facts. And this this is no different from any other advert you may ever um, put in. So that first paragraph, we talk about support, we talk about opportunities, we talk about uh, promotion, we talk about uh, the team, we talk about uh, how they're going to feel, what's it going to be for like them, the, the lifestyle, you know, things that that really think, you know, this company actually cares about me. This company isn't just about what's in it for them. They're actually thinking primarily about making sure that their staff are respected and valued. And talking about values, that's exactly what comes next. So values is the next thing we put in our job adverts. So our company values are they're written in stone. We talk about them weekly during our meetings. We hire on our values. We fire on our values. And therefore, we show the people what our values are. We don't, it's not hidden. It's not trying to be guesswork. We want people to self-select, self-identify. Yes, they agree with our values. Yes, they think, oh, wow, I really like that. I like that one, you know, about teamwork. Or I like that one about, you know, trust. Or, you know, I really like that one about systems. And the, 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 our values all uh, are based around these things. And and so if people look at that and, and one of them or two or three resonate with them, then that's going to, again, compel them to continue. But if one of them like, oh, you know what, I'm, I'm not really into systems. I don't, I'm, I'm you know, a, a more visionary creator sort of person. I don't really like getting into the detail and all that. I don't want to work with them because I won't get on with them in this, in this role. There may be a role for them in different circumstances, different situation. That, that's a, another kettle of fish. But for this type of role, you know, that that particular thing would be important. So. Your values, you know, you need to stand by them. And so stick them out there. Make sure they at least hopefully read them. And sometimes you'll find they actually even tell you about the values throughout the job, throughout the application process. And those are the kind of people that really stand out. So when we get to the interviews and they're talking about you know, what did you, what attracted you to the job, it was your values. I love the fact you published it. I love that, the fact that X, Y, and Z are the values. It's just really, really resonated with me. Bang, they just got a big tick in the box. And so that's where it starts. Okay, so. We started off with a compelling first paragraph that really inspires that person to want to continue reading. The second thing is their values. So we're now making them self-select that in or that out based on our values. Next, we're going to talk about our mission statement, a short, punchy, two-liner mission statement. Why do we exist as a business? What is the thing that we're trying to change in the world? And if you can make it into something that actually resonates with the type of people you want to work with, if that's what your mission is about, then that can actually obviously be a driver for them coming to work with you. For example, the end of our mission statement is about creating uh, 10,000 
uh, sorry, making 10,000 businesses succeed in a world where most fail, in doing so create 100,000 lasting, meaningful careers for people that truly deserve them. So that last bit there is going to resonate with the people that are applying for jobs because actually our business is about getting people work who deserve it and giving them actually uh, meaningful and lasting careers. So the fact that not only is our values on this, but our mission statement even says it as well, is now painting a really good picture. So think about these things. What message are you giving out to the people that you're trying to attract in with the things that you're saying, both just an advert, which you're going to write maybe for this purpose, or the way we do it is we actually have re- we've already prepared all this stuff. It is our mission statement. It is our values. We know we have the same introductory paragraph about how it's going to be like working with us for every job role. So once we do this once, we don't we only have to tweak a few little bits for any any single role. But the majority of it is actually written in the process of just building a good company and having these things in place for your for your existing team as well. So after that, then we do start talking about the role and the um, the value of that role as well. So what the role is, what the value of that role is, the company, again, making the person feel valued, making them feel this job is meaningful, making it making them feel like they're actually going to be appreciated for the work they're going to be doing. And, and even if it's, you know, in inverted commas, a really uh, low level uh, assistant, like admin assistant type role, they're still crucial because without them, the business owner would be doing that or someone else would be doing that, which would be holding the company back. So without them, the company will not grow. And so they are as valuable in many ways as anybody else in the company because they're just doing work. They're taking time away, time, you know, time consuming tasks away from other people so they can crack on. So there's ways to craft any role to be incredibly valuable and meaningful for your business because it is. Otherwise, you wouldn't be hiring them. So just think about it and make sure that is explicit in the advert again to make them realize this role is going to be valued by you and your business. And lastly, there's a link to apply. We never take applications by a CV for all the reasons I mentioned at the beginning. We never look at CVs, in fact, until the very end of the process. When we've done all the elimination, we can objectively, all of the the selection down to the last two, three maximum, would we ever consider looking at a CV? maybe looking at references, but also just to have a look. Does anything, are there any red flags? Is there anything on that CV which contradicts what they've actually said throughout the process to make you think maybe they're actually just making stuff up? Or, you know, does it actually all line up? But actually what's on the CV by that point is uh, pretty uh, irrelevant. We've done our homework by then. I'm going to talk about that, as I said, next time, how we do that homework and how we make it very objective. But we do have a little look just before we actually take them on for those reasons I've just mentioned. Now, the link to apply I'm going to cover in a second, but I'll just give a summary of the entire purpose of your job advert. So you've got the headline. Only objective of the headline is to get them to click. The objective of the first paragraph is to get them to read the rest of it. The objective of the second paragraph is to get to qualify themselves in or out of your business. The next paragraph is about your mission then we're talking about actual job details. They need to know a little bit about what they're applying for. We don't go heavy on there. Keep it pretty, pretty not vague, but we don't go into detail and say, you're going to do this on a Tuesday and that on a Thursday afternoon. It's like, what type of roles are they going to do? What's their responsibility level going to be like? And what the, what reward will they get? And is there room for uh, promotion and uh, a, a genuine career path for them? Or is this more of a, 
you know, a part-time or a um, uh, sorry, short-term role. Those sorts of things go in there, of course. Um, and you put in there some um, estimate of what you're going to be paying for this role, a range always, uh, and start with the highest and go lowest. Uh, good sales tactic, tactic as well. And then the in, that all of that, the entire purpose of all of that is to get them to click the link and to motivate them to go through your entire recruitment process. If you were Google, and I was a tech geek, which I am, if I was applying for a job at Google, if I wasn't an entrepreneur, if I was applying for a job at Google, I wouldn't need to be motivated by an impressive job advert which did all this stuff because I just want to work for Google. And so if Google tell me to do 55 different steps and you know cross the I's and dot the T's and whatever, I'm going to do it because I really, really want that job. But you're not Google. I'm not Google. Nobody knows who I am when I put my job adverts out there. Nobody's going, oh, wow, look, Steve Day is just asking for, you know, someone I know, Steve. Like, there's millions of people out there. In the Philippines, there's like 2 million people on onlinejobs.ph when I last uh, spoke to John about it. And, like, he, like, uh, like there's no way that they know who, who we are over on the other side of the, uh, of the world. So I've got to try and sell myself, sell my business in this, this is, in this ad. This is the only opportunity I get because I'm now going to put them through a pretty rigorous um, recruitment process, an application process with multiple stages. And if they drop out, I'm never going to know if they're any good. So the good people, I need to motivate them to keep going until they get to the end, because those are the people that I want. If they drop out before they even get there, I'll never have known if they were going to be a good fit or not. And so I need to make the, the this part as motivating as possible so they get excited about the role. And then when they do click that link, they complete the application form, and they can go on to the next stage if they pass through that first round. And I'm going to touch on the application form now. I'm going to talk about actually a bit of detail, but I'm not going to go into the elimination process, which comes next, as I want to save that for next time because I don't want this to expand into a sort of an hour and a half long ranting about recruitment. Okay, so they've clicked the link. They're going to apply. What do you put on the application form? Now, in the early days, I mean, you've got to get, I've, I've, run a recruitment agency many, many moons ago in my early 20s. I uh, have done recruitment for a number of companies, uh, for my own companies, and when I, I had uh, partnerships with people. And then I came into the world of hiring virtual assistants. And until I started hiring virtual assistants on a regular basis, because I kept on losing them because I was, didn't know what I was doing, um, I'd never really thought about this, about how am I going through this process. That was when I made the realization about, like, if CVs are bad, then so are long-winded application forms. Because in the early days, I had loads of long questions. So I had some questions, like easy questions as well. And at the end, I had loads of long questions, like six or seven long questions. And they'd be like, describe a situation where you were, where you were uh, put under pressure by your manager and you didn't have the resources available. And how did you cope with that? And whatever it is, you know, how did you deal with uh, a uh, angry customer at work or, you know, have you ever felt uh, victimized at work? Whatever the questions are, you're trying to pull out to find out what, you know, how they deal with stress and you know how they're good uh, creative thinkers or whatever it is you're trying to do. Those long-winded questions, in my opinion, have no place at this stage in a recruitment process. They are necessary at some point, but not now. Right now, our job is to get rid of everybody who's not suitable because the more people you have in this recruitment funnel, the more work you and your team are going to have to do. Now, 
I said you wanted to, to attract as many people as humanly possible into this funnel. And I just also mentioned with a caveat, you're trying to get the right people in. But the result of doing it this way is you're going to end up with a lot of people in the funnel. In the early days, so go back you know, six, seven years ago when I started hiring from the Philippines, we used to get about 2,000 applicants for some jobs. Between one and 2,000 was pretty average. It's gone down a bit since then, but we still the range, we get about 200 to 300, maybe even 400 on a really good run. Uh, that's a lot of people, a lot of applications to go through. And these are people who are filling out the application form, not just clicking the ad, but a thousand people still clicking the ad, but only say two or 300. And even, you know, some like a hundred would be, still be uh, not a bad run. You could still get away with that and still make it work. So, but what we need to do is not have to spend any time. And how we do that is have a really objective application form. The application form is a series of yes, no questions, numeric questions, pick your own answer questions, as in you know, multiple selection questions, questions that are basically yes, no, or a value that we can then grade. Because if we can say this person scored, a, uh, picked the number seven, but we need them to pick an eight or nine, or we need to get eight or nine on this thing, then we can eliminate them really easily. So for example, internet, Real problem for a lot of people in certain countries in the world. And when you're working with remote workers, it can be a bit of a stress because if you if your staff haven't got good internet connections, then it can lead to real problems with you know communication over Zoom and um, uh, basically just uh, breakdown in, in the link. Or it takes a long time to do work, uploading stuff and downloading stuff, and it can be a bit of a nightmare. And so a simple way to get around having those sorts of people come to your interview who are not suitable to work for you because you need people who can access the internet with a high speed because then they can actually work efficiently. Otherwise, you're going to get frustrated. They're going to get feel, feel that they're letting you down and it's going to end up breaking down or causing conflicts. So it's important to get this out right at the beginning. So we ask them to do a speed test on their computer, simple free speed test and take a screenshot of it paste the screenshot in as evidence in inverted commas of and we can get the IP address, which we cross reference later as well. Um, and the uh, but the screenshot shows us the upload and download speeds. And then we just get them to type in the value into the box. So we can use that with a bit of uh, your tech to actually eliminate them either automatically or you can stick into spreadsheet and eliminate them manually just by looking at anyone who's like below whatever 20 megabits per second download or 100 megabits upload or whatever i'm sorry 100 megabits download 20 megabits upload that sort of figure that's a really good internet connection for for many people in the philippines and um then you can just basically eliminate anyone who doesn't meet that minimum criteria and that's the way you've got to think about it whether it's you know how far do you, you know do, do you work from home yes no uh, do you have another job yes no uh how many hours are you available 40 30 20 10 you know all these things are very easy to basically create something that's totally objective that you can go the yes, they meet my minimum criteria, or no, they don't. So this stage, this application form, when you craft it, you've got to think of what are all the things that could possibly put me off this person applying? And how can I create a simple, quick question that can be graded objectively by anyone without my involvement? And that's a good question. Whatever it is. I know we've got a, a, a client that works in London. He's an estate agent. And one of their criteria was uh, the length of time it took somebody to get to work. And if they took longer, I can't remember exactly, I remember it's 30 minutes or 40 minutes. If, they, if their journey time was more than 40 minutes, let's say, then they uh, used to reject them outright. And I actually had a conversation with about him and, and that actually just flagged a red flag because 
what I suggested was in that case, just check they're not about to move if they get the job, you know, if or they're, they're actually really happy to do that because their wife works down the road and they get, they whatever, you know, make sure in that example that you're not, you are just double checking something. So that's why the questions have to be thought about because you can actually eliminate people that may be a good fit because you haven't asked the right question in the right way. So be careful with your questions when you're asking them, but just think about what are all the criteria that would really make me not want to take somebody on. And that's what goes in. And you're not going to get this 100% right first time. It took me years to create the application form that we now use and we now have in our uh, recruitment system. And, and by the way, if you want to get access to our Recruit Right framework, then there's, if you're watching this on, on uh, video, there's a QR code, there's a, a, a URL on the, on the screen. Uh, if you're watching and listening to the podcast, the link is in the show notes, but it's also bit.ly forward slash sys hyphen 10, all lowercase, bit.ly forward slash sys hyphen 10. And that's our Recruit Right framework. So you can get that it's free and that gives you the structure of what I'm talking about. Uh, and alongside this video as well, you can have massive amounts of uh, detail to be able to actually go through that. And obviously, if you want more detail and you want to get our entire recruitment system, because everything that I'm talking about in great detail, every spreadsheet, every uh, template, every email, every test task, everything we do, then obviously you can just reach out. Um, but I'm not here to pitch on now, but it was a little cheeky pitch. Anyway, uh, where was I up to? So where was I up to? Uh, elimination, yes. So um, getting these questions right does take a little bit of uh, iteration. So you're not going to get it right first time. Don't be hard on yourself. You're going to get some questions come back in. And I'll tell you my, my nightmares in a minute. And, uh, and the next time around, you'll just do it better. And it's as simple as that. That's the systems approach. You've got to have a mindset of systems is a, is a, is a journey of iterative improvement. And if you've got that mindset and you understand that systemization of your business never ends, it's just a continual cycle of improvement, then you stay positive and stay motivated, even though you think, oh, I'm nearly getting to the end of the tunnel. Oh, no, now there's a whole other round of changes. But that's a story for another day. For now, we're going to talk about uh, application forms. So, yeah. So one of the things, the mistakes I made, I, I touched on this before, was having too long questions and asking those questions of, um, you know, uh, give, me, give, me, give me a scenario where X, Y, and Z happen. The problem is that when you get those back, somebody's got to read them. You've got to assess them for English language, grammar. Does it make sense? Have they answered the question? Is it a good answer? Like, that's the tricky one. Those other ones, we can actually use apps to do all that. Maybe now AI is coming in. We can probably get it to give a good look at, is that a good answer? Does it answer the question and grade it? And you could probably teach an AI to do it. So you probably could actually do that now. But I don't think it's a good use of anyone's time. If you're really into AI and your APIs and you can do all that sort of stuff, then great. Uh, you, know, good, you know, good luck to you. I'm sure that would be absolutely fantastic. And actually, I probably will do something like that in the future. But it's not necessary because... The objective here is to eliminate people that don't meet your minimum criteria. At this stage, what I really care about is have they got a good grasp of English written language? If they have, they've got great grammar, they've got great, uh, great, great punctuation, great spelling, good sentence structure. I'm confident that at least they've taken the time to, to think about it or even they've used ChatGPT to write it. But at least they've done that because that's actually an aid 
to them being brilliant at their job. If they don't, if I'm not requiring them to speak to clients, then maybe their their English written language or not getting them to yeah uh, write copyright or whatever. Maybe their English written language isn't as important. So if they've used ChatGP to their advantage, then you know, great, they've got through that round using technology. That doesn't bother me. It'll come up in the next round when we actually eliminate them based on their spoken uh their spoken uh english inst- instead and that is obviously something that is important in business because i've worked with people with out brilliant without brilliant english language in the past it's been a, a real hindrance so i alluded to using technology to to grade this stuff and a little quick tip you can use grammarly pro or grammarly even as well free grammarly copy and paste answers in it'll give you a grade out of 100 of how good their english language is and that is how we do it objectively. So nobody has to read it. It's just a copy, paste, copy, paste. And again, you can get savvy, you can get techie, you can use APIs and you can do all this automatically. Um, but we just do it by copy and paste even today because it's not worth the effort of setting that stuff up and maintaining it uh, for our internal systems. Um, as we roll out our recruitment app, of course, we'll be doing all that sort of stuff. But yeah. So that's how we objectively grade our long answer. Answer. So just to go back. We only have one now. We, the criteria are in 150 words or less, tell us something, whatever it is you want to ask them. The criteria is, is it less than 150 words? And what's the score on Grammarly? We don't even read it. At the later stage, we may read it to make sure they can actually write in English, to make sure it doesn't, like, they're not, it's not terrible, but it should have been picked up with Grammarly anyway. Um, so the last part of this is another link. So the last question on this is for them to submit a video. And there's two ways you can do this. You can do this part of this same application process, same application form, and you're going to ask them to record a short video answering your initial interview questions. So rather than booking in a time, you know, uh, half an hour and wasting your time and showing up the first five minutes, like, oh, my God, this person's awful. You know, have to sit there and be polite, nodding and all the rest of it, and then get rid of them as soon as you can. Get around all that. Get them to record a video, send it into you, ask them some questions. Say, right, can you answer these questions on video in five minutes or less? They send you the video back. I call it the two and a half minute interview interview technique. So they, they record the video at two, in five minutes. You watch it at double speed, it's two and a half minutes. The good ones you watch at single speed as well, just to actually get a real feel for their personality and the way they're talking. The bad ones you spot a mile off, you don't need to watch more than 30 seconds. So it's pretty much the 30 second interview, to be honest. And um, what that allows you to do is then to actually assess not only the English language, but the way they present themselves, their confidence, what their background's like. Is their background noise? Uh, does it look professional? You know, are, they, are, they, are they just turned up for work like they're going to go to work? Or are they sat there like I've had before, you know, in a, in a, in a vest and, in, you know, sitting there and like looking all cool? You know, this is meant to be a job interview. I'm not here to... To, to make mates with people and go to the beach. So, you know, you see a lot and it's it's quite incredible the the, the uh what people think is a um an okay way to show up for a for an interview for a company. And so that's just saved you half an hour because they may have come out brilliant on everything and you get into the interview and they're rubbish. So never, ever, ever avoid that. You don't matter what the role is, get them to at the very least get them to do a voice. But like video just tells you a million things more. So I would 100% go. For, I would never, if I was hiring from um, for for any sort of admin computer based role, it would always be on video because they're going to be on Zoom with me every week. So I'm not or every you know every every day pretty much with one of my team. So they're going to be on camera. If they're not comfortable with it, I don't want to work with them because they're not going to fit into the team. So this is a good way again eliminating people. So I said there's two ways to do it. 
you can either have that video on the application form and ask them to upload or to paste a link to the video as a question, or you get those questions in, you eliminate them out, and then you shortlist them down to the next stage and then ask them for the video. That you'll get a better adherence rate because you're asking them to do a lot up front otherwise. Whereas if you get them through to the next round, you congratulate them, and then you have the next video, they're more motivated to complete that one. It's all about every step is about motivating them to complete the next step. That's all you've got to think about. And that is how you create a recruitment funnel to be able to attract as many people as possible, to eliminate those as quickly as possible and get them through your rounds. And next time, I'll continue where we left off here and go into the rest of the elimination process and how we actually build out test tasks and how we run our interviews and some other fun stuff besides. But today, I'm going to call that a rest because my voice is getting uh, hoarse. And, uh, and that's it. There you go. Hope that was helpful. If it was helpful, do please leave me a comment. Remember, you can get the Recruit Right framework by going to bit.ly forward slash SYS hyphen 10, sys hyphen 10. So systemize your success hyphen 10, SYS. Um, so that's it. If you love this episode, if you thought it was great, if you thought it was okay or just average or bad, just leave us a review. Let us know. Give us some stars. I love stars. Great. Uh, <laughs> and uh, please do leave us a rating on your favorite podcast app. Leave us a comment on Facebook or LinkedIn or whatever you happen to be watching this on. Uh, I pick up as many of the comments as I can find. I try and respond. It, it won't be me that actually responds, but it will come through me as it, one of my team will pick it up, put it in front of me, and I will then let them know what I think and what I want to say. Um, so there you go. That's how I work. Great to see you today. Well, I can't see you, but great to have you on the show or listen to the show. I think I'm losing the plot. Have a fantastic day, rest of your week, and uh, take care. I'll see you next time. Thank you so much for joining me and listening to this episode. I'm well aware there are hundreds of great business podcasts out there and you chose to listen to this one. And for that, I am truly grateful. Hopefully what you heard today took you one step closer to building a successful business so you can share your passion with the world and serve an ever-growing number of people. If you got value out of today's episode, then so will someone else you know. By sharing with others what has helped you along your way, you will grow your influence and be the guy or girl that everybody wants to know. So please hit the share button right now and also remember to subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss future episodes. It's impossible for me to cover absolutely everything in these podcasts. So please do head over to systemizeyoursuccess.com right now and download the show notes, transcriptions, and some of my best frameworks and systems for free. Thanks again for tuning in and being a part of this amazing community. Until next time, this is Dr. Steve Day and you've been listening to Systemize Your Success.